Hello, you all. Welcome to the Good Girl's Guide to Being Wrong and Happy. You're here with Stephanie Richardson and Heather Smith, and apparently a ghost in the machine. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show where your wrongness is really a strongness and happiness is just a choice. (laughs) So what have we got going today, Stephanie? Well, that is a great question. I am going to flip this show all around on you because, quite frankly, I am not <laughs> sure I even I even know about today's topic. I know somewhere that's a lie. And there are these when, – yeah. when Heather and I create shows, one of the things that we look for is we look for a thread to pull. So usually at the beginning of a show, regardless of – whether we know where we're going during a show or not, there will be a thread that we know we can begin with, a thread, a question, something else. All I have to go on today is the description. So I'll go ahead and read that, but I'll let Heather start with actually talking about the show. So today's show will be, we will be myth-busting the accusations of being spaced out as a problem. What if there are a tremendous, Oh, what if, no, I'm misreading. What if there are tremendous <laughs> gifts in the ability and choice to be, quote, spaced out, unquote? It is not what you think. Join in the conversation, and I won't torture you with what time the show starts since we're already, we're already going. So tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, well, you know, this, uh, this week has been an interesting week, and um, one of the uh, great gifts of it uh, for me was the tool from Access Consciousness about being space. And, you know, uh, I'll back it up a little bit, but, but like my whole life, basically, I was accused of being someone who's spaced out. You know, like I'm not always present. I'm like in the clouds, fantasizing. I'm quote unquote not being present, supposedly. Um, and when I came to Access Consciousness classes, it's the first time I heard being spaced out talked about as um, the capacity it is, the gift that it is, and what is more accurately going on. And for me, it just really rang true of how it was talked about, which is, um, for me, being spaced and being expanded and not so totally focused on something was actually about being expanded and aware of lots of different things, way more that I can articulate, way more than I could pinpoint, way more than I could describe. You know, when I was spaced out, I was, uh, I was maybe thinking about something I was drawing or uh, something in school, but I was also like perceiving the birds singing outside I was also listening to, you know, the dog run around the house. (laughs) I was also listening to the conversations going on around me. Um, I was usually also doing something. (laughs) So for me, that what appeared to be lack of focus was actually like taking in so much stuff, so much awareness, so much information, and so many different senses, um, you know, that it, it just looked like nothing. It looked like I wasn't there, but actually I was very present with just so many different things. So um, talking about it that way, I was like, holy moly, wow, it's not a problem. (laughs) It's not wrong. (laughs) It's it's not a a difficulty with all this. 
for me, there's always been a lot of ease in functioning that way. There's been a lot of ease in having a, a sense of the world around me and not having to do anything with it per se, but just being present with it and hanging out with it. And um, so it just gave me a completely different reference for what spacing out uh, can be and is for a lot of people um, that I never heard anyone else talk about it that way. So, um, so, so that, um, I don't know where you'd like to go with this, Stephanie, <laughs> if, you, if that sparks anything <laughs> for you. Um, but well, I wanted to talk I mean, about there, some actually, other tools. There are, but, there are a few, yeah. yeah, well, there are a few things. And, and at the same time, um, what I've really started getting, I went to a workshop last night and I swear I will cut, talk about things that sound like being spaced out. I was listening to everything you said. And um, yeah. and what I'm going to say sounds like I wasn't. Um, I, went to a, <laughs> I went to a talk last night. They call it the other night school. So in my neighborhood, there's all sorts of neat events. And in the other night school, what happens is um, professors come and then they teach something, something that night that's not part of their normal curriculum. Basically, for them, something that doesn't fit into their normal curriculum, but something they're interested in. So they do a lecture on that. Oh. So I went last night. And cool. one of the things that I noticed is that the points of view that everybody else had, when people would bring up a point, it seemed to resonate with everybody, that it was really clear that lots of people were sort of functioning with the same ideas. And so somebody uh-huh. would basically say, um, you know, I'm going to summarize, yeah, but vacations, because this one was about travel. And so, um, you know, someone say, yeah, but, you know, vacations basically are for checking out. And for me, vacations are not for checking out. So everything that was discussed in the workshop or everything that was discussed during the lecture, for me, went through the lens of a, a totally different lens. So that totally different lens for me is that when I travel, I act, that's one of the times when I feel most alive in that I'm constantly curious about my surroundings and don't take anything for granted where other people may yeah. travel and um, and go to places where they can stare off into nothing and, um, and not use their brain, right? So someone went up to the professor yeah. at the end of the talk and said, you know, I, you're lucky I should be mad at you for making me think after a long work day. And that really got my wheels turning because for me, being more aware of more things is actually uh, relaxing and enlivening. So when you were talking about spacing out, one of the things that I was recalling was whenever I was in school, I would stare, quote, unquote, stare off into space. Um, And this is one Mm -hmm. area where the way that you spaced out and the way that I spaced out seem slightly different in that you were doing stuff like, you know, like doing stuff. And I was actually staring off into space. But when people would come up to me, they always wanted me to like focus my eyes back on something smaller. (laughs) So they would come up and snap their fingers in front of my face, get in my face, make faces at me. But what they didn't know is that there was not a single moment. This part I think is a lot like what you talked about. There's not a single moment where I wasn't actually visually aware of the room. 
even though my eyes were unfocused, but I was aware of all my peripheral vision. I just wasn't focused on anything specific. So I was taking in the information Mm -hmm. and, and the times that I would most space out that I can recall would be when someone was telling a story. So I had a fifth grade teacher where we got to go once I think it was once a week, maybe a couple times a week, we got to go into the other fifth grade classroom. So we'd switch fifth grade teachers a couple times a week. And the the fifth grade teacher that we would switch to, the one that I had hated me. And when we would switch to the other one, the other one had gone on all these mission trips. So she would tell us stories about about scrambling alligator brains and about meeting people who've never (laughs) met white people and about, you know, like what the huts were like and what it was like to walk through a forest that had never been, you know, touched by modern machinery and that kind of thing. And when she was telling those stories, I was totally visually in the places that she was talking about. And I didn't realize about things that we don't realize about our gifts, talents, and abilities. I didn't realize I actually was seeing the places that she was talking about. That we have the ability to transmit information from person to person or from, you know, people to animals and stuff like that in ways that we've yet to fully explore. And so for me, this other site, you know, a lot of people just call it imagination, but I think there are a lot of capacities that that people used a long, long time ago when we didn't have so many visual, visually maybe even interesting things to look at or visual distractions um, and so many, you know, things yanking on our time and on our mind. Um, when we were mm-hmm. curious about the world and wondered how things worked, I, this is one of the tools that I think we used a lot to actually gain more information because we are connected to all things and all people, we have an ability to perceive things beyond what's directly in front of us. And, you know, there are different ways that yeah. science is trying to mm-hmm. explore this, but doesn't have, doesn't have really, um, doesn't really have good tools for it just yet. We can only sort of explore the periphery of what happens with the brain when we do certain things, not so much what's actually happening. You know, you can't go along the ride right. with science. You can't go go on the ride with someone with the scientific tools. You can just kind of see evidence of what's happening um, or get, um, you know, story evidence. Um, so anyway, so that staring right. off into space, I do think that um, – I do kind of want to explore what the difference is between that and being oblivious because in both of the circumstances, in both of the things we're talking about, we're actually, we're actually being more aware, not less aware. It just didn't look like what everybody else's expectations of concentration, awareness, um, active listening. It didn't meet anybody's requirements for what those things are supposed to look like. So I wonder. Yeah. You know, what is the difference between just spacing out with a beer and <laughs> and what's actually using the capacities that you're talking about? Well, I think you said it uh, just now of when you're attempting to be oblivious. Like, it's really, I mean, that is a key difference. Like, in one version, it's a, it is about being aware and about, taking in all the senses and all everything you can know and be present with 
um, be it visible or invisible, and, you know, using all the senses of, of sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, and more than that. Um, whereas being oblivious is, is you know, like you described that participant, uh, pissed off that they were made to think. <laughs> you know, um, those points of view about what presence is and what awareness is that um, in this reality are usually defined as focus, as um, attention on one thing and not multiple things. And... Um, and then, um, like, being oblivious of just, like, you don't want to know anything. You don't want to be aware of anyone or anything. Um, it's really the point of view and the choice of what the target is, I think, uh, that makes a world of difference. And they can look the same on the outside, but it, it's just a completely different way to function, um, really. So... Uh, well, one of the things that, that I'm really curious about in this conversation, too, so, I mean, that was a great, anyway, um, I, I guess yeah. one of the things that I'm curious about is I, a couple weeks ago, I had a conversation with someone, and it became really clear to me, and, and I'm sure this is one of those circumstances where it's like, oh, we've already lost the people who, you know, believe the way I'm about to bring up, but it was an interesting conversation. <laughs> so, the... um. So the person I was having a conversation with actually did not believe that there was anything that happened in the mind that wasn't either thinking or imagination. And that actually shocked me. I hadn't even considered that as a possibility. Do you know what I'm saying? Not a possibility, but I hadn't even considered that as a point of view. I didn't really imagine a world, speaking of imagination, I didn't really imagine a world in which there really (laughs) were you know I, I guess it makes sense um but how i i'm curious about how because that spaced out thing people do call it imagination i think this is where a lot of people get sort of stuck so you know people with add yeah. um adhd autism and ocd i think a lot of times are a, a lot of those labels get uh, put in this category of either spacing out or not being present or and if you only believe that the mind is either thinking or in imagination and imagination would just be a version of future thinking in the present moment (laughs) yeah and making (laughs) yeah yeah making up things is a big one um that if those are the only two ways of thinking, I'm seeing, I'm starting to see where the big rub is and why people don't understand what else could possibly be going on. And that was a new development for me. Yeah, well, I love it. I mean, that is so, <laughs> so accurate, I would say. Is that, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a totally different conversation if you bring in awareness and energy as a reality, you know, the whole invisible world (laughs) of energy that, you know, we're capable of sensing and being aware of and actually, like, working with or changing, creating, uh, transforming, you know, that's, it's all invisible. And, yeah, definitely some people have, like, if they can't touch it, it's not real. If they can't see it physically with their eyes, it's not real, um, which is like, I, 
you know, your, it's like what Access Consciousness talks about all the time. Your point of view creates your reality. So if a person has a point of view that only what they can see and with their eyes and touch and they can, their mind is for thinking, then the invisible world of energy and the ability to be aware of energy would be, it wouldn't be a reality. It would be impossible. It wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. <laughs> so it is like, it's a totally different world <laughs> than for somebody yeah. who actually does function from energy and awareness of energy and um, that capacity to, you know, ask energy, be in energy, change energy, move energy, <laughs> all these things. Um, wow. That is a... Yeah, as you it, were it, as it, you're it, talking, it makes me realize how many of the entrepreneurs that talk about never being able to do school right, how many of those people were actually trying to use the capacities that they have that you're talking about, but only had the words to function from of thinking, figuring out, um, and computing like that. Those are the those yeah. are which it's interesting because I just realized how modern and how new a word computing actually is. Um, I'm like, we yeah. have a really new <laughs> word as far as humans are concerned, but calculating. So, um, yeah. you know, if what you're being taught in school is that all you can do is calculate, think, imagine, or figure figure out, which I guess would be another form of calculating, just not necessarily using math, but maybe using uh, logic. So if those are the only skills that you're allowed to use and you're trying to fit what you do into those things, um, you will come short because doing those things doesn't actually give you any more skill in using the other weird capacities that people have. My dad, for instance, um, can look at a math problem and he just knows the answer, but he has no way of, he actually doesn't figure it out. It's not a calculation, even though he's great at doing calculation too. Primary yeah. thing that he does is look at something and know, know the answer or look at something and know how it works. Um, and so if that's what you have going on, but you're told that that's figuring out or you need to prove that you figured it out, I get why so many entrepreneurs and different and uh, what one of my friends calls superhero thinkers, um, he works in, uh, he's, been, he's been working with a couple of different colleges figuring out how to get kids who have a really different way of thinking, how to actually use the way their brain works to exponentialize what groups of what he calls monothinkers, what they can create and what the um, superhero thinker can create. So he he realizes that when you bring both groups of thinkers together, it actually works a lot better. And they've been working out what the percentage of <laughs> percentage of mono thinkers and percentage of you know superhero thinkers need to be in a room for it to actually work the best, as far as they can tell. Which has been an interesting experiment. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, and that's. Um, some of the magic and the gift of all this is how can those work together to contribute to each other into something greater uh, rather than having to be one or the other. And uh, yeah, what you brought up about proving too, that's something that's been actually up for me for the last couple of weeks and how much, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) how much um, with the point of view of, 
of thinking and uh, and figuring out and uh, having to be able to see it and touch it and all that also comes that point of view of having to prove it that that way of functioning is provable whereas supposedly the invisible energetic uh, way of awareness isn't provable and it it, it just is I've been kind of just like unraveling it and playing with it and seeing where it stuck me and and what else, like where I could unstick me <laughs> from it. And I don't know that I have an answer for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it is part of what inspired <laughs> well, me with but, this topic. Yeah. That's funny because when I, when I see you saying that, when I, when I realize, I'm like, well, you, you're sort of a step ahead of me on that. Because um, what I've been looking at this week is I have not it, I've not actually looked at all the ways that my brain and I'm saying my brain it's not even my brain um, that's an easy thing to say it let it gets people something that they can sort of look at that whole <laughs> look feel right thing. right but how yeah. differently I think about the world so I've been I've I've started yeah. to really amp up my writing. Um, you, there's, there's uh-huh. been one blog that's been published, but there's a lot more in the works. And then I got invited to do church on Sunday. So I will be leading church ah. this Sunday. <laughs> wow. Cool. Put, put on your helmets. The brimstone might be coming down. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. So, yeah. Well, but one of the things that I've been told over and over and over again that I really, I discounted was how many times in my life I've been told that I'm either creative or that I think different. And I say different, not differently. Uh-huh. Um, differently implies you think the same, only slightly different. And different <laughs> implies that it's actually totally off the wall. Um, and I, I really had not, I really just didn't believe that. I really thought that when people said I was creative, I thought that was a way of downplaying their own capacities with creativity and creation. Cause I've never seen anyone that I didn't think was creative to me. If you can put a recipe together, you are creating. It never struck me that that wouldn't be creative. Um, and in that, I think I proved my own point in that I think about the world really differently because most people would go, yeah, you just put <laughs> together a recipe. That's not creative. And for me, that was a lie. So um, right. So anyway, so I've been really having to rewrite my ideas that I think like everybody else or that I am like everybody else um, because, you know, again, in all honesty, I I really had just downplayed it and, and really, to me, have thought my whole life that the capacities that I have are the capacities that everybody has and we may use them differently. You may choose not to use them, but to me that was always a choice, not a, not something that was intrinsically true about you or intrinsically true about me. Like I didn't think it was, if there was anything intrinsically true about being creative uh, so much as I think about the world the way I think about the world. And then I express that it, in the different things that I create. Um, so even that for me didn't feel creative because it's literally like, no, I, I didn't do anything creative. That's just how I see things. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Which is what most people do. <laughs> they think however they think or however they function is just normal and what everyone does. And pretty much everyone on the planet doesn't consider that their perspective on how to function and what's normal for them may not be normal for anybody else. <laughs> Even the people they think are just like them usually aren't actually just like them. <laughs> so so one of the <laughs> so one of the ways that I've been playing with all of this is to ask myself, what if I didn't have to prove anything? And it, that's a great question. That question thank you. Yeah. And I realized that, that in this conversation that, that question can apply to really everything we've talked about today and it, it, it's um so what if you a, for me okay, I, so if you're a person whose face is out then yeah. you know you go out into space land and then somebody starts you know um snapping in your face what if you don't have to prove that you were doing anything anything worthwhile what if you didn't have to prove that what you were doing was worthwhile to you what if you didn't have to prove that you weren't crazy? What if you didn't have to prove that you weren't lazy? What if you didn't have to prove that you cared or were paying attention? What if you didn't have to prove that you weren't retarded? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that says it quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, I, I, what I was noticing is how much I was in resistance and reaction to either people not getting me or where I didn't get other people and their perspective. So that was one, one thing, one unraveling. <laughs> like, oh, if I don't Wait, say that one more anything. time. I was a little distracted. I, I really yeah. got that I offended yeah. some people by using the word retarded. And what I, <laughs> what if I didn't have to prove what I was intending with that word? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what, it, what, yeah. I was, what I was looking we, at, I'm going to prove anyway. So what I was looking at was literally the way that people throw judgments at you. They use words in their heads. This is one of those capacities that, that people who are spaced out all the time may have a lot of, which may be what they're spacing out listening to, um, is you hear what people actually mean, and it doesn't matter what, they, what the words they say are out loud. So they say, you know, yeah. <laughs> they say, oh, aren't you special? And then what you hear is the words they're really using in their head. And so, you know, that's one of the things, if you never had to prove that what other people thought in their head, um, which is actually what I was using that word for, is what people think about you in their head, um, or what, not you, but, you know, what people think about people who think differently in their heads. Um, I missed the rest of that sentence because I went off on a side tangent. Well, so, yeah, what if you didn't have to prove anything? What if you don't have to defend against, um, you know, what other people assume you are or are not doing or being? And what if you don't have to defend against, like, what other what – you, what you think you're putting out in the world and how people take it, and you don't have to defend against how other people are taking you and looking at you and defend against it. So it's really like Man, stepping if out that's of the one and, thing, yeah. If that's one yeah. thing that we implemented, just in general, just if you look at a, a normal yeah. average per, uh. <laughs> average person's life, if that is the only thing that we ever did, never again had to prove ourselves, but specifically never had to um, defend that 
what we meant by what we said, that we allowed other people yeah. to take how we say, however they take it. If that was the one thing that we got out of today's show or the one thing that we got out of life and actually could put that thoroughly into action 100%, our lives would be really different. Oh, my gosh. So different. <laughs> that could end about 50% of most arguments and conversations. <laughs> Yeah, if my response was, wow, so that's how you took that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like um, back to the, the earlier conversation of, like, if you're talking to somebody who energy and awareness of energy isn't real to them, you can't prove that it is. Right? I mean, it's hot. It's just, no. it's not real to them. It's not true to them. They don't see it. They don't get it. And they're not interested usually. <laughs> so there's yeah. no place to go. So why would you try to prove yourself or prove it to them when they're, you know, their ears are closed? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're deaf to whatever um, you're trying to show them or, or educate them about or reveal to them. So Again, what if you didn't have to try and prove yourself to that person or prove that what's true and real for you should be or is, you know, should be real and true for them when it just isn't? Um, I was shocked uh, that there was no open, uh, you know, I'm shocked by a lot of things these days. I was was shocked (laughs) that there was actually no even interest as to what that was. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I was interested. I was like, wow, you live a life where the only thing that exists is like thinking or future thinking. Like, that's it? There's nothing else that happens? Like. Wow. Well, what do you do with this? Well, what do you do with this? Well, how, how do you deal with this information? Well, what you know? <laughs> You're literally a person with only one arm. You know, like how do you open? You know, I've I've had to carry one of my dogs around um, in in one of my arms. So I've been doing a lot of things one armed that I've never tried to do before. I I now know why they have flip tops on toothpaste and not the real <laughs> screw top lids, right? I have a screw top lid, like a real one. Oh my toothpaste. My and I was like, oh, so this is why, okay, yeah. I'm now grateful for flip tops. Um, I found out some cans are incredibly difficult to open with only one hand. Um, so to me, the, the way of thinking of like there's only thinking and future thinking, to me I was like, wow, that's like, you know, living life with one arm. There's stuff that, that you know, you that's now easy for you, but if you knew that you could do more, would all of a sudden become really difficult because you, you'd realize that you're literally missing like eight tools. Um, right. That, neither side well, of that was interesting. Neither side of that was interesting <laughs> to the person I was talking to. They were like, stop talking. And I was like, can I try not, can I try talking for another one minute and see if anything changes? You know, 10 seconds in, I was like, oh, bad idea to keep talking. <laughs> like, sorry. <Yeah. laughs> right. They they warned me. <laughs> they did. Yes. No, I knew that, I knew it was a bad idea. And I tried it anyway. Right. So, which is, I love it though, because it's like a perfect example of one of the ways you're different of being a person who's intrinsically curious about absolutely everything. (laughs) (laughs) 
lots of people are just happy to think they have the right answer, and that's it. They don't need anything else. <laughs> they got their one of the quotes control. from yeah. One of the quotes <laughs> from last night was the tourist loses the thing they desired the moment they find it, and that was one of the things that 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 the people. In anyway, the people giving the lecture and people in the lecture were a little baffled by. She said, I like it because it doesn't really make sense. I don't know exactly what they mean, but it makes you think. Uh, but here's what I think it means. And she said something that I was like, oh, that's not. So she gave a great example of, you know, having an idea of what the Eiffel Tower is like. And then when you get to the Eiffel Tower, you have to wait in two hours, you know, you wait two hours to get up into the Eiffel Tower and then you get part of the way up in the Eiffel Tower and then you have to pay 20 euro to go the rest of the way up in the <laughs> Eiffel Tower and wait more. Right. And so your experience of the thing that you, you know, your experience of the thing ruins the thing that you had in your imagination. And that was her idea of what it was. And to me, what I realized was, um, you know, the when most people travel and they get to the thing that they want to see their curiosity they they lose their curiosity and they lose the that that is what they lose whenever they get to what they desire and then they lose what was the desire so instead of having the curiosity and the and the drive and the and the um the the sort of like forward moving interest in life they lose the forward-moving interest in life because now they've satiated it with what they've decided is the answer. And so like for me, like, like, yeah, well, now that's been answered. I no longer need to go where, you know, your favorite breakfast place could be an adventure every time you go if you maintained that curiosity, if you were willing to see it new every time you walked in the door. And um, I mean, that's just me talking from obviously a value I have, right? <laughs> my world is tainted by my worldview. Yeah. The curiosity is living. <laughs> Which for you it is. I mean, I can't imagine you like wanting to live if you didn't have curiosity and new things to explore and discover. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know like, what to do with myself. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, wow, yeah, this whole conversation didn't go anywhere I imagined it would. <laughs> I know. You, you were going to give people tools that they could use to space out and have fun with it and all sorts Maybe of miraculous things. Show. Maybe. I was going to say, maybe we'll have to revisit this and actually – yeah. Use the tools. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I love the tools that we got to. I mean, that question of what if I didn't have to prove anything with this is like, it's yeah. been so helpful for me this week. Oh my gosh. It's really been like, oh wow. And so, oh, and I'll add another thing. So, in addition Ooh. to going, oh, what if I don't have to prove anything here? I started asking, what choices do I have with this? So if I didn't have to prove anything here, what choice do I have? Because uh, when I'm proving, every choice has to do with proving for or against or something about it. And there's a whole other world of choices besides that. Um, so that question of 
what if I don't have to prove anything, and what choices do I have here? For me, it started to just open the door to those other things that I could be doing besides trying to prove myself. Um, so I invite you to play with that. <laughs> if you're finding yourself wow. resisting and reacting to everyone and everything and trying to prove whatever, <laughs> start asking what other choices do I have here? <clears throat> and just play with it. I just it. started seeing Ask keeping a check. I just started seeing keeping like a tally of how many times you try and prove something in a day. You know, I'm just uh. like, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. One, two, three, There's not four, eight, 18, 36. Well, that was the first five minutes of being awake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Totally. Yes, yeah, it, it, it could be daunting. It could be horrifying. However, <laughs> the gift in it is that if you notice something that you have never noticed before, that means you now have a new choice available and a new possibility available to you. And it's up to you if you choose it or not or take it or not. Uh, but that you notice is a huge step because before that, maybe you never noticed. <laughs> so it was running your life, but you didn't notice. So that's where the stuckness comes or the same thing showing up over and over and over and over again. So breaking that cycle is like, oh, my God, I'm trying to prove. Whoa, I just noticed. I've, oh, my <laughs> God, I'm trying to prove this for, like, 25 years. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and there was that situation. And then that situation. And this person, oh, my God, there's so many ways I've been trying to prove this. Holy moly. But celebrate that. <laughs> celebrate that because that you notice means you have a different choice available. <laughs> woo yeah. So uh, shall well, we call it a day, Stephanie? Yeah, I think <laughs> so. We are definitely over time, and um, I, I think we've probably pushed everyone's ability to concentrate to the limit in today's show. Success. <laughs> Good luck keeping up where we went on this show. You're welcome. <laughs> So if you want want to give us guidance on where you would like to see us go in future episodes, you are more than welcome to leave us messages at the good girls guide to being wrong.com or also at on Facebook at the good girls guide to being wrong.com. So um, anyway, we would love to have your feedback. And if you hated the show, please put it in someone's playlist. There is an RSS feed, and you can add us to their iPhones or their other uh, mobile devices so that randomly we start playing and they have no idea how to turn us off. (laughs) And if you love the show and would like more, listen again this week and every week (laughs) at 12 Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys. And happy Thanksgiving. Are you there yet? Oh, we're getting close. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ciao. Have a good week. Bye.